Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Welcome back to the program called The Education in Daba here on the Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM Stereo. Yes, alhamdulillah, it's a very beautiful Sunday evening. A bit chilly outside, alhamdulillah, and it so has been for the almost the entire weekend. So I'm trusting you know that as our listeners, you are warmly snugged in under some duvet or in a room somewhere and still tuned into 91.3 FM Stereo. Now, just a reminder to our listeners, as we said, you can can participate in the program by sending us your SMS to the number 47913. The SMS line 47913. Now there's an SMS from 2959. It says, Assalamu Alaikum. Can you repeat payment for Dated medical aid, etc. Now, yes, let me just a very big shukran to our listeners for their participation. I know what we indicated earlier on was that it's going to be paid out in August sometime. Yes, Sira's just trying to locate the necessary email, I think, which she received. Whilst she's doing that, let me greet our guest who has uh, fortunately just joined us now. That is none other than uh, Dr. Yusuf Lalkan, educational psychologist. Dr. Salam alaikum. Wa alaikum salam, Ridwan. Um, good to be back. Wa alaikum salam to you, saying to me, uh, can you please see where's Doc? And we phone Doc, and then I showed this Doc coming, okay. and then she had the smile <laughs> on her face. So, shukran Zazilan, uh, Doctor, for joining us. And uh, just a reminder again to our listeners <coughs> if you would like to make contact with Dr. Yusuf Lalkan, educational psychologist, you can contact him on the number 021 Now, Doctor, there's been an, one particular SMS which you would like to discuss with Doctor, uh, but you know, just to get into things, how was Eid for Doctor and Alhamdulillah. It was very well. I, I must say, I just missed being on the program. I'm not quite sure if you had an Indaba during Ramadan. No, we Probably had. Not. Yeah, no, but we had. It was very, very <coughs> late in the evening, Doctor, and we had about an hour slot. I see. Yeah, okay. so it was very, but it's good to have Doctor back in Sudan, Alhamdulillah. Be, good to be back. And um, we anxiously await to hear what Doctor has to say. But whilst we're waiting still on Yasira to find no. that particular SMS, okay, Yasira. Okay. Shukran, Vidwan. In a meeting of the PSCBC on the 15th of July 2015, the employer indicated that due to internal processes that the need <coughs> to be finalized, the back pay of 0.6% will effect, was effect of the 1st of April and the back pay of the improved medical subsidy also was effect from 1st of January will not be effected in July, will not be effected in July. Optimistically, it can be expected to be paid out to the employees at the earliest in August 2015. The employer will keep the unions informed. Okay, shukran for that particular update, Yasira. I'm sure the listeners appreciate that. Now, we've got a few minutes still before we go to the ad break. So, let me go to the SMS <coughs> which we received from 3463 and it says, Assalamu alaikum. I'm a grade 11 student currently at Belgravia. Hi. I need advice as to how to make my physics and mathematics a daily routine when I come home from school, as they are my only subjects I do badly in. How do I study and make myself understand? So, uh, Doctor, I'm not sure whether the Doctor will be able to give from your experience, you know, some advice to the youngster. I'm sure Yasira will also maybe be able to contribute. Absolutely. Doctor? Well, I heard that question coming into the studio on the radio. And I, I think what it reminded me of is the tendency we all have to avoid things that we find complicated oh, or difficult that sounds or challenging. Really familiar to me, I'll be honest. We, we do it not just in terms of our studies, we do it in terms of our relationships, mm, and we do it in life. terms of work. The most difficult thing we tend to postpone in the hope that somehow it becomes easier or it will disappear. Mm-hmm. The reality, of course, it doesn't. It mm-hmm. just becomes worse. And this is exactly what I think this young man is doing. He recognizes that both maths and physics are his most challenging subjects. 
And yet when he gets home, he'll probably start with the easier subjects. Mm. And, and <coughs> so it is an avoidance strategy, I think, on his part. But the fact that he has acknowledged it, I think it's a, it's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And very often, I think there are just two, well, more than two, I suppose, but, but two strategies I think will work. One is a decision that you need to make. Mm-hmm. A decision that I will dedicate some time in the afternoon to doing maths and physics. Mm-hmm. Secondly, is the implementation of that decision. In other words, have a timetable drawn up mm. that physically stares at you every day you come home. That says between three and four, or between four and five. That's for nothing else except for maths and for physics. Mm-hmm. Thirdly is maybe to build in a kind of incentive and uh, reward for yourself that if I do tackle things that I didn't to avoid Mm. that I need to reward myself for that. Mm -hmm. So I think sort of a decision and implementation and some kind of reward that he can develop for himself will get him steadily on that road, I think. And Mm -hmm. it's not going to be easy. I think the fact that he's probably done that for so long means that it's going to be very hard to Mm. start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and secondly, a, a, a fourth point maybe to add is to tell others what you intend doing so that they can support you in that. So to verbalize yeah. it, to say to your mom and to your brothers and your sisters, <coughs> I intend doing that so they can also work as, Remind you. as reminders. <laughs> well, Shukran, <laughs> for that, we can see we have in studio with us Dr. Yusuf Lalkan, educational psychologist. And on that note, we're going to go for a quick ad break. And when we come back, we'll continue with the program called Education in Daba here on The Voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the program called The Education in Daba here on The Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM stereo with your host this evening, Ridwan Ahmed and Yasira Adonis. And if you have just joined us, we are joined in the studio by Dr. Yusuf Lalkan, educational psychologist. And if you would like to make contact with the doctor, you can give him a call on the number 021-637-6831. If you have any questions for the doctor or for Yasira, you can send this, those to us via the SMS line on the number 47913 the SMS line 47913 then just a shukran doctor for that uh, response to our grade 11 learner as we said earlier and it's not very uh, it's very seldom that we get learners that ask us questions but we certainly do appreciate that um, and I think it's, 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 it was excellent advice doctor you know I mean when you mentioned that I was just kind of thinking that is that is so very true that if you feel that you need to do something difficult or challenging that you always try and just kind of really postpone it at the end of the day and as you said correctly it then becomes a bit more challenging now I know doctor you indicated that we would like to speak about something called inclusive education now whilst we chat about inclusive education I'm going to put out to our educators and our listeners out there um, what has been reading is Asira, is the whole issue around cyberbullying for example and, um, you know, if there are any of our uh, students out there or of our parents who know of this and they would like to maybe just comment on it mm-hmm. or even ask doctor a question or you, uh, then you can send us those to the SMS line to the number 47913. But now, doctor, let's go back to you and speak about inclusive education. Uh, y- yes, really, one. Uh, the Department of National Education produced a document, I think, released in June 
um, it's a report on the implementation of Education White Paper 6 on inclusive <coughs> education. Mm-hmm. It's a review of what has been happening between the period of 2013 and 2015. So over a two-year period, I think they did an intensive analysis of what the situation is like nationally in the country. Now, I know the resistance that a lot of teachers mm-hmm. in the mainstream in mm-hmm. particular, and even teachers in special education, education. has to the notion of inclusive education. I think they resist it, mm-hmm. firstly because they believe that it will add to their burden if they engage with inclusive education. Secondly, they avoid it mm-hmm. because they believe that somehow they don't have the skills to deal with it. But the reality is, of course, that when we talk about inclusive education, we include all children. Mm-hmm. So naturally, the very learners in your class mm-hmm is part of the inclusive education system. And really what we're trying to do (coughs) is for us to begin to recognize those needs and collectively, not just within your classroom or within your school or within your district, Mm. collectively engaging all the resources available Mm. to be brought to bear to help you, the teacher, to deal with those learners. Mm -hmm. Very often teachers pretend they don't have children with learning disabilities Mm. in the class. I think the time is long gone where we can continue to pretend that. Really, at this point, when we talk about one in five learners have a learning disability, teachers tuning in tonight will say it's clearly more, more than, than that. that yeah. So there's no question about the fact that those learners are there, and they are there in fairly large numbers. Mm-hmm. My concern is our reluctance to engage with yeah. the problem and to find shortcuts. And the shortcuts are going to catch up with us sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. One of the shortcuts, if I pretend that if the learners failed once, I just need to turn a blind eye and he will disappear. He'll disappear from your class Mm -hmm. and he may disappear from your phase and he may disappear from your school eventually, but he will persist to be an educational challenge for us all. Mm -hmm. So we must begin to recognize the needs of our learners. We must begin to recognize if we don't have the skills is to begin to talk to others about how we can engage so that we can build mm. capacity. Mm-hmm. So are we asking then any of our educators out there or even our principals at our institutions uh, to really participate and comment on the whole issue around inclusive education? Uh, you can submit your comment via the SMS line to the number 47913 or you can give us a call in studio on the number 021-442-3530. Yes, maybe you want to quick comment from your side on what Doc has said? I think, you know, all this makes sense and and why there's so much resistance and I think from inclusive education's inception the advocacy was absent the understanding around why we need to engage not even start implementing but just engage in inclusive education was missing it wasn't on the table it was a document handed out and educators were supposed to read and try to apply before White Paper 6 became gazetted. The same with the CIS document. Now, if I'm giving, if I'm given a policy and I must read and implement it, I'm not going to know where to start. I'm not going to, there's no frame of reference to draw from, so I'm not going to know what is right or wrong. And then what has subsequently happened to that is we just keep building on this idea of inclusive education. 
And then it was the CIAS document and the learner diversity policy. And then so just more and more policies were added because it stemmed from White Paper 6. But not even White Paper 6 in its actual form was being trained on. And you must remember most of us in specialized education would have somehow been exposed to it. But our educators in the mainstream, they they have no clue. Some may, and that would be your full-service schools or your schools who have you know, access to inclusive education teams, but your schools who do not have that would not know what is taking place. And now, so the pressure is building around, why is nobody taking to the inclusive education framework? Why is nobody trying? But nobody takes the back step and says, wait, hold on. What are our teachers feeling? How are our principals feeling around what inclusive education is? And I think I spoke about my jamboree that I'm going to have, hopefully, inshallah, in the first term of 2016 to create that kind of platform saying, look, what is it about inclusive education that kind of puts you on the back burner? Mm. What is it about inclusive education where you say, look, I'm not going to do it? Now, if we go back to um, 1990s, mm. when I was at school, um, there was no inclusive education. But how many kids needed OT? How mm. many kids needed? Our educators were doing it, and they weren't even aware of it. But now it's a policy document. So now automatically they, they feel that if I do it wrong, it will reflect on my IQMS, or it will ref- reflect badly on me as an educator, or our litnum would then be looked upon mm. more. What mm. are we doing differently? Where's the concessions for writing exams? So it's just a whole area of anxiety and uncertainty and that fear alone we'll file it in our inclusive education file. Mm. We'll put it in file 13. Okay, um, Marvin Glesser, on that filing note, mm. we're going to go for a quick ad break and when we come back, we'll continue with the program called The Education in Daba here on The Voice of the Cape. From Cape Town, this is The Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. Welcome back to the program called mm. Education in Daba here on The Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM Stereo. And if you have to join us, we are joined in studio by Dr. Yusuf Lalkin, educational psychologist. And we are speaking about inclusive education. If there are any educators out there or even principals of our institutions and you mm. would like to participate in the program, uh, you can send us your comment via the SMS line and that is 47913. The SMS line 47913. Now, there's an SMS here from 6918, and it says, Assalamu alaikum, my son is in grade 10. He repeated grade 9, but still struggling with all subjects. He cannot cope, and he gets distracted very easily. Need help? Shukran. A doctor? Yeah, really one, I think there are always these key points in the child's education that is very challenging. Mm. And the one is the transition from grade 9 to grade 10. Now immediately I think the fact that the learners repeated grade 9 would suggest that there was no way he's going to be kept behind for another year. So one can assume that he may not have been completely ready for grade 10. Mm Because if he was, then the kind of concerns that the mother's raising wouldn't have emerged. He would have been coping. So that's the one possibility and that's one thing we need to look at. The second thing is that many schools have these packages of subjects that you are very often compelled to take in terms of the numbers and the distribution of learners. Mm. So the selection of 
of learning areas that the child is currently engaged in may not be appropriate for him. Mm-hmm. He may have subject choices that doesn't suit his inclination and his ability. Um, the third element I think that, that comes into play is the fact that very often kids with underlying attention deficits are not identified early on. Mm. They somehow have a way of camouflaging their difficulties until they get to a point where it's impossible to hide it. So increasing numbers of learners in grade 10 are now being identified as learners with an attention deficit disorder. Mm -hmm. So in this particular instance, I think it's a combination of probably three things. One is the degree of ability of the learner to cope at that mm. level needs to be reviewed. Yes. The subject <coughs> choices that he's been given need mm. to be reviewed and possibly a uh, understanding of whether he presents with ADD. Or not, that, yeah. Or not, which mm. can complicate matters even further. Doc, maybe just to, to add on to what you're saying, I remember when we were at high school, and I don't know how our educators did this, but they always looked at our logical thinking patterns and how we did in certain subjects and how we were able to problem solve. And I know as we get older, you know, there are certain things that a child does which will elude um Let's say the educator that, you know, formal operational thinking will take place as well as mm-hmm. higher order thinking. This child is ready. This child can. And those are the kids that they promote for maths and physics. And, you know, um, we don't have the advanced kind of maths and those kinds of things in our high school system. But that teacher would then say, look, this is what we do further on to that sum. Um, and you would stay, you know, behind school and do that. Because I remember when I was at high school, um, my high school maths and, and physics and, and biology teachers they did that now um where is that leg of education where is Mm. that leg where educators are saying look you know as much as um remembering and drawing from memory is okay to write certain subjects and certain exams Mm. when we stem beyond that what happens to that child what happens to that learner Mm -hmm. because in actual fact um we're failing that child and and we become the barrier to learning because we're insisting that this child fits into a certain kind of package um you can no longer do math and physics um and geography that's not a package Mm. so now automatically that Mm. child Mm. has no real place where he fits in because on the one one hand he can't do um, your maths and physics on the other hand he can't cope with um, your biology and those kinds of mm. things so if we we you know we mm, do our mm, children mm, um, end mm. up at the end of the day and then yeah. what is university like should they want to go to university okay is it as a math that I'm going to interrupt you I need to go to the SMS line strictly because we've got a couple of SMS's uh, the one from 2932 says assalamualaikum in the past we received a 1% increase in salary in July for IQMS purposes is this still the case my understanding is yes if you you go yeah. through the um, What's the process? The IQMS process, you yeah. should be getting your 1%. 1%. Mm-hmm. Then another SMS here from 7008 says, Assalamu alaikum. My son repeating grade 9 for the second year at Eros and looks like he is going to repeat it again. The educators reckon my son is lazy and he don't hand in, I don't know what that word is, and then he will be 18 next year feeling helpless. Doctor? Mm. Well, you know, um, I think in some instances it's necessary for a child to repeat more than once, and mm-hmm. clearly this is one of those cases. You have to produce <coughs> evidence to that effect in order for the department to sanction that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so one would assume that enough evidence has been presented to uh, verify that this should be happening. But I think the other thing we need to remind parents, and not just in this particular instance, but in, in other cases as well, is where do you want to see your child? What are your expectations, expectations yeah. and what, do you, what are your ideas of further education and training? Mm-hmm. Is it purely an academic, and you know, Asira earlier on alluded to the idea of our inclination, sort of high order thinking, logical, practical, and so on. So in this particular instance, I think what is more valuable right now is for that parent to engage with the school to determine where my child's strengths are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what we what is the most appropriate next level for him to proceed? Mm-hmm. And it could very well be an FET college rather mm. than a purely academic stream. Mm. So instead of repeating and repeating in the hope that I want my child to matriculate an academic level, is to review all of our own thinking True. and start saying, well, what would be to the benefit of this child? Mm. Okay, shukran for that, doctor. And then there's another SMS. Uh, yes, I'll give you an opportunity if you maybe want to add or comment to it. There's an SMS from 3940. And it says, I think this relates to the white paper six or the inclusive education <coughs> we're speaking about. It says, Salam to the panel. It's all about money. Ramming the program down the throat of the helpless teachers. We just cannot cope. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the permission of the learner, listener, I mean, there's a further comment. I'm not going to read that part. Uh, so I'll stop there and say that it's all about the money, Doc. Mm-hmm. Um, teachers are being, as being just said, they must do this and they cannot cope. A doctor? Well, I, I think it's it's to do with resources, um, and resources doesn't always equate money. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about, I suppose, our attitude. The will to make things happen can sometimes transcend the availability of, of resources. resources yeah. So I think it's a combination of those two. But interestingly enough, in this particular uh, review, um, the report mentions that in 2007, the National Treasury has set aside millions for the expansion of inclusive yes. education. And only two provinces have failed to utilize it effectively. Uh, Western Cape is highlighted as the one province that did in fact Thank implement um, you know, what is expected of mm. them and utilizing those millions. Mm-hmm. So money is available. Yeah. It's not always spent where we would like it to be spent, but that's going to be always an ongoing debate. True. And so uh, one of the things that I think we always encourage the provincial department of education Mm. is to not make those decisions on their own. And rather to spend some time to engage with all role players, whether they're in the mainstream or in special education, and let them determine where the needs are. Yeah. Obviously, if it's incorrect, you will remind them mm. of that. True. But nine out of ten times, people on the ground know what they need. Mm. And maybe this is the lament of this particular yeah. teacher, that nobody had consulted them. Yeah. So the money is there. And when I talk about the millions, it, it ran into hundreds of millions yes. for the expansion of mm. inclusive education. Mm-hmm. And I said earlier in the one that only four provinces failed to implement the, the, the budget. budget yeah. And Western Cape had done that. Whether they had done that in the right places at the right time, <coughs> affecting the right people is another matter. Mm-hmm. Yes, Sarah, you comment from your side. Yeah, um, and, and I hope um, one of our, our um, ardent listeners is listening, Ridwan, who sent you an SMS around um, our 7% and why we never got it, etc. and so on. But I need to commend um, the Western Cape um, Education Department for implementing, you know, or beginning to implement inclusive education 
Um, if I go up to national and we speak about our provinces and what is taking place, the Western Cape is the forward. I know for inclusive education, we have our inclusive education teams. We have resource centers that's been set up. So there is things that we, we're even doing outreach. We're the only province to do outreach um, from our resource centers and, you know, not our resource centers, our special schools. So we are the forerunner for inclusive education. Everything rolled out may not be as smoothly as we have envisioned it, but um, the people up there are listening. Um, and to Mrs. Berenice Daniels, you know, she is doing quite a lot in um, inclusive education and for specialized education. Um, the methodology is working as planned, as she has written it up strategically over the 10-point plan that is taking place. Um, at ground level, there might be hiccups, things might not go as they should, but I mean, that's why we have monitoring and evaluation to look mm. at what is taking place and how we can make a difference. Yeah. I'm not going to comment on that one, Doctor. You'll see that I've got either a smile or a smirk on my face. Uh, and no. I can never tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's an SMS from 1066. It says, alaikum. My son has been diagnosed with depression nine years above average student. I don't give him the meds. Will this hamper his progress? If he's been diagnosed with depression, then I would advise the parent to stick to the medication prescribed. I think it's always challenging for parents. Nobody wants their children to be on medication. medication. But I would assume that in this particular <coughs> instance, a proper diagnosis was made mm. and a medication has been prescribed to assist him. If the medication is not working, then she has an obligation to go back to the medical practitioner, the psychiatrist, and ask for a review of the medication. But to simply stop it, I think, would be... Um, irresponsible. Okay, shukran for that doctor. And just to remind our listeners, we have in studio with us Dr. Yusuf Lalkin, educational psychologist. If you would like to make contact with doctor, uh, you can contact him during office hours on the number 021-637-6831. The number again, 021-637-6831. Now doctor, in terms of, you know, this whole assessment around the inclusive education that you've just read, what does it say, you know, what is the, the way forward as regards to inclusive education? Yeah. Well, look, the, the document obviously speaks to the national picture. Mm. And so there are certain national recommendations that I think will be made. Some of them will have direct impact on us and some not. For example, the one recommendation I think particularly uh, struck me was the fact that they are looking at the coordinator in the full service school Schools. to be a de designated and dedicated mm. post, yeah. which I think is a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. But I would almost want them to consider that every teacher support team, educator support team, Learner support team, institutional learner support team. They're all the same thing. They're all the same thing. I was getting worried. It's just the evolution of the concepts over the last couple of years. But it means that that person asked within a school to monitor learners with special needs. I would like to see that every single school should have a dedicated person for that position. But if it doesn't start there, then you're not picking up the problems. And so there's no point in having it only at the full service school, but to really have that person in every single school across the system. Okay, here's a question quickly, Mafia Sirab, because time is unfortunately running, and I would like Doctor to maybe just answer this one as well. There's an SMS from 5043, and it says, Assalamu Alaikum. 
how much training does or did our educators receive in order to deal with education, inclusion, or else in learners? Again, you know, either one, it varies from province to province and yeah. sometimes from district to district within the province. Yeah. Mm. And so <coughs> what, what I think that uh, listener is alluding to and every other learner is what is happening at the, at the f- cold face, face. of education, mm. not in the district offices, not at provincial level, not at national level, but how do we ensure that on the cold face things are happening? Mm-hmm. And that's often where the system breaks down. So it is possible that where this particular listener is based, that nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Okay, Very that, possible. Okay, then another SMS from Mafia said that I'm not uh, giving you an opportunity, but I'm just afraid we're not going to be on, able to answer to get to all the SMSs, but I'll definitely give you an opportunity. There's an SMS from 055 and it says, Assalamu alaikum, doctor. My daughter is 10 and in grade 4. She struggles with mathematics and home language. How do I help her, Kanala? Wassalam, shukran. Yeah, probably very common, and yeah, I'm sure there common. are many, many moms mm. uh, listening in tonight and saying, well, I have a similar problem with maths and with, with languages, particularly when it em- emerges in grade four. Mm-hmm. I remember again, as I said earlier, there are these key points in the child's life where problems emerge, and we need to understand why. And the one is the transition from grade three to grade four. four. Very so difficult. for whatever mm. reason, those foundations have not been set firmly or it has been set superficially or not being consolidated, not being consolidated yeah. then you hit grade four and then suddenly things fall apart. Yes. Now, in order for this mom to assist, you know, it's, and, and I'm happy when parents say I want to do something, mm-hmm. but I must remember that they're not expected to do everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So her primary task is that of mothering and support. That's her task. Mm-hmm. So in order to understand what this learner is dealing with, I think it's to engage with the school. Mm-hmm. Ask for an assessment to be done. Ask for a review of progress. Ask them to give you some recommendations and some tasks that you can do to support this child. Mm -hmm. But not to just jump and and try to get help. And remedy the the situation yourself. You you can't do Mm -hmm. that. So (coughs) this is a case of where you have to engage with the school. Okay, shukran. Yeah, Yeah, Ridwan, do you know at foundation phase level, do you know the, the, the formal assessments and the formal tasks that we need to do at school is invariably different to when I reach grade four because now I go from four to seven subjects automatically. Um, the adjustment is quite vast. I need to make time. How do I, in my own constitution, um, put them in compartments and say this is how I apply this, etc. and so on. But the main reason we have children falling to the wayside, especially for maths and home language, is because I'm unable to apply that same concepts when I need to do it at a higher level. So I have this amount of knowledge and I know if I get a grade three task now, I'll be able to do it because there was a certain manner in which I was started. Now I get to grade four, I need to expand on that knowledge. I'm getting more work. How do I apply the same principles? So it's not necessarily that the child doesn't know how to do the work, just the principles of them and the application of strategies from the one grade to the next there might be some disconnect. Mm. I should run for that. Doctor? And, and the, the question is, should it be like that? It shouldn't. <laughs> it shouldn't. I mean, that, that movement should, should be a be seamless smooth. one yeah. from grade one to grade two to grade three to grade four. And the, the challenge is for schools to find out why is this happening? Mm. What, is, what is inherent in the curriculum or in the teaching yes. methodology that, that 
forms this disconnect between grade three and grade four. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. No, truly, one. I think most of the child, most of the child, most of the children that we do assist um, at district level is our grade four mm-hmm. learners. Mm-hmm. There's an immense amount amount of referrals with the ch- teachers saying, "Look, I think this child needs to be referred to a special school." We do the assessment, and the child is almost above average. If one wants to say that, then you think to yourself, "Why is this child struggling in the classroom environment?" And even if I know everything and I can't apply it to what is in front of me, I will not progress with my age cohort. I will struggle immensely because I do not know how to apply a concept to various forms mm. of learning and teaching. And that's the main problem that we struggle with. Okay, shukran for that. Yes, uh, Doctor, we've got about three minutes left before we break for the walk to Visha, inshallah. Anything that the uh, doctor would like to wrap up with? Um, well, uh, maybe just to wrap up with the uh, hope that I will be back soon. <laughs> <laughs> the gap that we've had which was for the last six weeks um, not, there are a number of issues that emerges time and time again and I think the one that you just mentioned earlier on which we didn't touch on mm-hmm. is the whole issue of cyberbullying and I think it's worth us going into oh, that yes. next week there's just the signs of our times that the nature of bullying has taken on that particular the form, form. Mm. and the damage it does to children are immense it's not tangible it's not visible but it's really there at an emotional and psychological Logical level, yeah. so I think hopefully, inshallah, next week or the week—well, not next week, the week after—I'll after. um, be back, and then maybe we can tackle the issue of cyberbullying. Yeah, inshallah. Yes, sir. Quick comment from your side. Shukran, Ridwan. I think it's very important, and you know, they—they they, they say love is like a ghost that everybody um, talks about, but no one has seen, and that's what cyberbullying mm. is. You know, you can't attribute to a tangible thing and say, "Oh, mommy, Ridwan hit me, or Ridwan hurt me," and then our, the parents get together, and then because it's like wildfire, um, the people aren't in my school. I don't know them, but it's being passed on and on. So. Once something is out there on the cyber network, on the net, on on um, the internet and, and various sites that they go in social media, it, it just spirals out of control. It snowballed and it becomes worse and worse and worse. And there's no way to control that situation. And I think that alone in itself is what causes cyberbullying to outweigh your physical and verbal kind of bullying that you'll have at school that you almost kind of grew up with and that happens and this is how you deal with it and we have anti-bullying campaigns but the cyberbullying is not in the hands of the principal it's not in the hands of your mother and your father um, it's in the hands of the world out there and that is a very scary fact okay right? shukran for that yes, so as doctor said then uh, not next week the week there after inshallah on education in Daba here on uh, the voice of the Cape 91.3 FM studio we will be discussing the issue around cyberbullying. Uh, Dr. Yusuf Lalkan, educational psychologist, certainly has been a pleasure having Dr. Back <coughs> in studio, alhamdulillah. Just a reminder once again, Dr. can be contacted during office hours on the number 021-637-6831. The number again, 021-637-6831. Dr. Sidney, has been a pleasure having Dr. Back in the studio, inshallah, and we do look forward to our next program. And on that, I bid you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Now we break for the walk of Isha, inshallah, and when we come back, we'll continue with the program called Education in Dava here on The Voice of the Cape.